Hey everyone, and welcome back to Big Mad True Crime, where we get big mad over true crime. I'm your host, Heather Ashley, and today's case turned into something much bigger than I anticipated. Today, I want to tell you the story of one of the dozens and dozens of young, healthy, and happy young men who seem to vanish from crowded bars only to be found the exact same way. Small talk is about as stupid as having to pay for eyesight, so let's dive in. Joey Labute was an even-keeled, mild-mannered, mid-20-something-year-old with a sassy sense of humor. His mother died from breast cancer when he was nine, and he arguably held the family together. His father told Columbus Alive that Joey handled it better than he did. And maybe that experience is what sparked the unbreakable bond he seemed to have formed with everyone in his entire family. His life was the real-life version of the show Parenthood, where aunts and uncles and cousins are as close as your brothers, sisters, and parents. They were all loving and nurturing and accepting. Joey was openly gay, and it had never been an issue. The only concern anyone ever had about who Joey loved was making sure they loved him as much as his family did. He graduated college from Ohio State University, skipped the dumpster fire stage, and went straight into the workforce. By 26, he was already working for Morgan Stanley. On Friday, March 4th, 2016, Joey went to Union Cafe in the short north neighborhood of Columbus, Ohio, to celebrate his cousin Kyle having recently come out as gay. Kyle's then-wife was even a part of the celebration. That's the kind of family this was. It was a happy and liberating time in Kyle's life, and those who loved him were pumped to be able to celebrate this milestone with him. According to Kyle, Joey was in a great mood and having a blast that night. Columbus Alive reports that a little after midnight on the 5th, Kyle's wife Stacy started to feel a little under the weather, so they decided to leave. They had lost track of Joey, but the bar was unusually crowded that week due to the Arnold Classic being in town, so they just texted Joey to let them know that they were headed home. He didn't immediately respond, which was a little out of character, so one of their friends jumps in and starts texting Joey as well, but like his cousin, got no response. Their first thought was that he might have just gone home or to a friend's house or maybe had just run into an old friend and lost track of time, so they let it go and they head home. By the next morning, the two men still had not heard back from Joey, though, and this is when they started to worry. Simultaneously and unbeknownst to one another, more friends and more family start to notice a lack of communication from Joey. His aunt, who was like a second mother to him, texted him on Saturday and got no response. A guy he had gone on a date with earlier in the night on Friday sent him texts on Saturday and Sunday to no avail. Now, one of these texts was, are you alive? And this rubbed a lot of people the wrong way, but I have 100% sent that text before. His father and stepmother tried all throughout the weekend to call him, but at this point, his calls were going straight to voicemail, and us crime sleuths know what that means. Everyone is collectively concerned, but Joey's also a grown-up. He's allowed to not respond in a timely manner. But come Monday, when Joey didn't show up for work, they knew something was really wrong and officially reported Joey missing. His car was found parked exactly where he had left it on Friday at the Thurber Gate Apartments where he used to live. He'd taken the parking pass with him when he left so he could still use it when he went downtown. Smart. It's a 20-minute walk to the bar, but like I mentioned earlier, the Arnold Classic was in town that weekend, which brings in 18,000 athletes itself, let alone the spectators, so parking would have been a real bitch. 
Now, it's worth mentioning that the Arnold Classic also happens to be known as the biggest human trafficking event in Columbus, Ohio. Obviously not due to all the fit people showing off their bods, but because of the massive crowd it draws in. Regardless, we know whatever happened to Joey happened between him walking away from his group of friends and his car. Everyone's natural next step from a night out is to go home, but Joey never did. Joey's car had not moved, his bank account had not been touched, and his phone was dead. Things are not looking good. His dad and stepmom drive up from Cincinnati to aid in the searches, and everyone gets together and starts handing out flyers with Joey's photo on it in the area surrounding the bar. Some friends would even just yell his name out in case somebody had him and he could hear them. I pulled up a map of this bar, and it's in a pretty busy area, but a mile's walk will put you at the Olentangy River, and while it's a mile from the bar, it's only about a block and a half from where Joey parked his car. I'm getting this sinking feeling that this is going to be another one of those cases where a perfectly healthy and normal male leaves a bar and is found in a river. If you haven't heard of the smiley face murders conspiracy, it may be the time to check it out. The Union Cafe offers up all of their security footage from the 14 cameras they have hoping to help police find Joey. The manager telling NBC4i that if anyone wants him found, it's us in the community. Unfortunately, after reviewing the hours and hours of footage, police say that it was too grainy and they couldn't spot Joey, not even once. On March 8th, police released a text that was sent from Joey to his friend Matt at 1.22 a.m. on the night he went missing. The text read, J-N-H-S-T-I-O-J. If you look at it, it kind of looks like it says Johnston, but drunk. It should also be mentioned that through some digging, I found out that he had sent a text to his friend Holly at 12.19 a.m. that read, To help, so G-O-O-5. It's rumored that someone spoke to him on the phone at some point, only hearing I'm driving and then the line went dead, but I've never seen it officially substantiated. All of this could be nothing. It could be drunk typing. It could be him dropping his phone and catching it, but it's still something because it's the last communication anyone ever got from him. At this point in time, as always, the police say they don't suspect any foul play, but I'll wait. The rumor mill is going full throttle now, and people start talking about how patrons have been getting roofied around town. One said they were roofied the exact same night that Joey went missing. According to some Reddit users, complaints have been made about getting drugged at Union Cafe and at a club called Access, which is across the street. Both are LGBT-friendly and known for their entertainment. Now, if Joey had been drugged, it might explain the gibberish text messages. Almost a week passes with no signs of Joey, so his family decides to set up a fundraiser in the hopes of hiring a private investigator. Obviously, a week feels like an eternity when your son is missing. According to NBC4i, they raised over $10,000 on the first day alone. On March 12th, the community rallied together again to search for Joey. They're instructed to look but not touch and to keep animals and children at home. Items to keep an eye out for are his wallet, cell phone, the white flannel shirt, and gray undershirt he was wearing, along with his light wash jeans. Almost 200 people volunteer their weekend, being split up into different search areas in pairs. That evening, News 6 in Columbus reports that police are following up on some areas of interest, so it sounds like something might have come from that day's search, but they don't specify what it might be. 
On March 18th, a member of Web Sleuths made an account on a dating app to see if Joey was on there, and he was. I believe he's now been seen on Grindr, Tinder, and Scruff. We learned in the Grace Mullane case that Tinder and Come to Find Out some other apps will display the last location you were at when you logged in or before your phone was turned off. It marked Joey as five miles away from where she was, and while that's a five-mile radius, she was five miles from Union Cafe, which means that Joey might have been using that app at some point while he was there that night. Another user using the same app remembers seeing him online around midnight, and if two people can find him there, other people could have stumbled across his profile, noticed he was nearby, and sought him out. Did it happen? We don't know yet, but it's certainly possible. Around March 21st, it's mentioned that authorities have asked Joey's family not to speak directly with the media anymore, and this seems to rub a lot of people the wrong way. But in my experience, this is usually due to the family being privy to information that's being held close to the vest. I know that a lot of people were frustrated with the slow progress of the Heather Saccone case, but Heather and her family were updated constantly with what was going on in the investigation. It just wasn't anything they were allowed to share with the public. Police generally don't want to risk family members accidentally releasing case updates that could jeopardize the integrity of the investigation. By March 26, police are still combing through CCTV footage from businesses anywhere between Union Cafe and the Thurber Gate apartments. The overall search seems to have gone pretty cold, though, and it's starting to worry locals. I mean, a full-grown man just disappeared from a crowded bar where he was with his family and friends, and there's still no sign of him almost a month later. It's a little concerning. But soon, an update comes, and it's not something anyone was hoping for. On March 29th, police report that during a routine patrol by the Special Victims Unit, the body of a male in his 20s was found in the Scioto River. The male was half-submerged and fully clothed near the Whittier Peninsula, which is less than three miles from the Union Cafe. According to NBC4i, the man was caught in debris 6 to 10 feet from the bank of the river. The location where the body was recovered is what has police deeming this as suspicious. Frankly, I think a lot of this is suspicious. The identification of the male is unclear, as is the cause of death, so the autopsy is scheduled for Wednesday the 30th. The body was so badly decomposed that dental records would be utilized to make an ID. And while we wait for the results, News 6 reports that Joey's father is on the way to Columbus. Dental records are electronic and no visual ID could be made, so the fact that his family is driving two hours back into town from Cincinnati sounds like this may in fact be Joey. On March 31st, the coroner confirms everyone's worst fears that the man found partially submerged in the river is in fact 26-year-old Joey Labute. His father tells Columbus Alive, that ended up being my bad night. That's when I had my meltdown. I let it all out. And the image of this crushes me, but he holds fast to the last text Joey ever sent him, telling him that he was the best dad that he'd ever had. 
NBC4 reports that Joey had been dead for at least three weeks, which would be 21 days, and that there weren't any obvious signs of injury like gunshot wounds or stab wounds. What I find most interesting, though, is what they leave out. They make no mention as to whether or not there was any water in Joey's lungs. If there was, he was alive when he hit the water, and drowning would be his cause of death. But his cause of death is still quote-unquote under investigation. So the silence seems to be saying that Joey was killed prior to being placed in the river. Later that day, an article is released by Dispatch.com that confirms my theory. The coroner states that there is a high probability that Joey was already dead when he went into the river, which means he didn't go into the river, he was put there. The Columbus police transferred Joey's case from missing persons to their homicide unit. Joey was murdered. Now we wait for the toxicology reports to see what it was that might have killed him. Decomposition makes physical cause of death harder to determine the more advanced it gets, so toxicology reports will be vital in figuring out what exactly happened that night. And while we wait to hear more on that, let's do a little river math. The Scioto River is 232 miles long and runs from New Hampshire, Ohio, south towards Portsmouth, Ohio, where it empties into the Ohio River. There's no easy way to gauge how fast a river can flow. Trust me, I tried to figure it out. But hypertextbook.com says that it generally varies from 0 to 7 miles per hour. So let's just be generous and hit it right in the middle with a 4 miles an hour. If Joey was in the river for 24 days drifting at 4 miles an hour, that's 576 hours. Multiply that by 4 miles per hour and you get 2,304 miles. If he was only drifting one mile an hour, he would still wind up in the Ohio River by day 24, but he wasn't. He was found less than three miles from where he was last seen. How did a man fall into a river, stay in it for 24 days, go unnoticed by anyone, and then wash up only three miles from where he would have allegedly fallen in? It makes no sense. On April 5th, after raising over $15,000 to hire a private investigator, Joey's family refunds everyone's money and thanks them for their support. They decide against any investigation outside of what the police department is doing. And this leads people down a lot of different paths. They wonder if they know something we don't. Is there an arrest pending? Do they think he committed suicide? Do they just simply trust the police department? We can cut out suicide because according to Columbus Alive, that was ruled out really early on, but everything else, no one really knows, but it's definitely abrupt. The public is so invested in Joey's case that anything that smells a little off becomes a theory. On April 15th, WBNS comes forward with the first real update since Joey's body was recovered. They note that despite earlier reports of having no footage of Joey at all on the morning of March 5th, they have a handful of surveillance videos that show Joey inside and leaving Union Cafe. In fact, a camera inside the cafe shows him going to the bathroom before calmly walking outside. The photo of him leaving the bathroom was taken at 12.15 a.m. on March 5th. NBC4 says that it was taken seven minutes before he left alone, making that 12.22 a.m. Joey sent the gibberish text at 1.22 a.m., so what happened within that hour? Police are now focusing on where Joey went after leaving Union and who may have seen him after. As we continue to wait for those toxicology reports to come back, Joey's obituary is released online and someone creates a fake account to sign the guest book with, I guess Joey got his water. 
And what kind of pathetic troll-ass piece of shit do you have to be to be so miserable in your life that in the free time you do have, it's spent making a fake account to post something so dark and so negative on an obituary guestbook that will ultimately be given to his family? But troll so hard aside, whoever this is had to have been closely following this case from the beginning and begrudgingly so. The fact that Joey was given a glass of water from his cousin, who assumed he'd left to grab another, is a really specific detail that was only discussed really early on and hasn't been mentioned much since. Could this be more than an asshole with too much time on their hands, or is it just that? It's really sad that we live in a world where it's hard to tell. The comment is ultimately traced in the off chance that it was more than just an asshole being an asshole, and whoever this asshole was made the comment from a public library computer. They didn't want the comment being traced back to their identity, so they went as far as to travel to a library and use one of their computers to post it. On May 2nd, the final medical examiner's report is released, which means toxicology is back. The only thing found in Joey's system was ethanol, which is alcohol. Many of you know by now that ethanol raises in concentration throughout the decomposition process, so it may mean that he was drunk or had been drinking before he died, but it also may not. Many jump to the conclusion that Joey must have died from alcohol poisoning, but his post-mortem BAC was only 0.15. Prior to decomposition, it likely would have been lower. Even if he was a 0.15 when he died, he would have just been super drunk, not dying drunk. But more importantly than any of that, alcohol was the only substance found in his system, besides caffeine if we even want to count that. No drugs, nothing else. Unfortunately, drugs like GHB or roofies process out of the body within a pretty short window of time, so if Joey was roofied, we will never know. ABC6 reports that the final autopsy confirms that Joey was in fact dead before he entered that river and that no water was found in neither his stomach nor his lungs, which leaves his manner of death as undetermined. They cannot determine what caused Joey Labute's death. The only thing we know is that he vanished after leaving a bar. His last two communications were jumbled words and letters one hour after he was last seen. He died somehow, we don't know how, and then managed to wind up in a river. The river he floated almost nowhere to in 24 days before his body was discovered, being found less than three miles from that bar he walked out of at 12.22 a.m. on March 5th of 2016. His phone, keys, and wallet have never been found, not even a debit card or an ID. Certainly, if he went into the river with them, they'd have shown up somewhere. This case seems to go radio silent with no updates from the police or media. That's until June. In June, police make an announcement that they believe that Joey left Union Cafe that night and got into a car with someone. They urge whoever that person is to come forward and that if they don't, they will find them eventually. They believe he left the bar on purpose to meet someone close by. So was it someone from Grinder or Scruff or Tinder? I can only assume they subpoenaed those records to see who he had been talking with that day, but they still don't have a name? 
The theory makes sense, though. His friends and family were in the bar, and he walked out without saying a word. It's certainly possible he was meeting a potential date and didn't want a casual meetup turning into a family affair. To this day, the Columbus Police Department says the investigation is active and ongoing, but have shared few details as to what that means. Every day, his father and stepmother wear two green bracelets, one that reads, Bring Joey Home, and another that says, Justice for Joey. His car sits in his parents' driveway, his furniture in their home, and his cards and belongings give them a little peace keeping him around, but their hearts are shattered. They go on loving Joey for who he was and keeping that going, because while Joey is gone, it doesn't take away from the amazing man he was and the son that they love with their entire souls. Since researching Joey's case, I've come across dozens and dozens of cases with almost the exact same pattern. Young, healthy male in his prime goes missing from a bar only to be found in a river with no water in his lungs. I think you know what I'll be doing for the next week. For all maps and photos pertaining to his case, check out his highlight at the top of my Instagram profile at the Heather Ashley, and join me on Instagram tonight at 9 p.m. Eastern for Crime Talk Live, where you go live with me and we discuss today's case. If you like your podcast ad-free, head over to our Patreon at patreon.com slash bigmadtruecrime, where for just a dollar a month, your episodes are totally ad-free. If four episodes a month just isn't enough for you, for five whole dollars a month, you get an exclusive episode available only to Patreon members on the first Monday of every month. And yes, anytime you join, you have instant access to all previous bonus episodes. I'll be bringing you a brand new case a week from today, and I cannot wait. But until then, we out. Let's wait for your loud ass truck to back into the driveway. It's so loud. Please park quicker. Turn your truck off. Oh my gosh. Take your time. Thank you. Oh my gosh. Please come up the steps louder. Fuck my life. Get inside. Let Brody come in, wreck the house. Shut the door loudly. Oh yeah. Regardless, we now. <laughs> I out four. R. <laughs> nope. Sayota. Sayoto. Sayota. Sayota. What? Columbus police right now are investigating after a body was found along the Sayota River this afternoon. Sayota. Oh my gosh, Tom Hanks has coronavirus. <laughs> Nemo has coronavirus. Wilson! Woody has coronavirus. He does a lot of cartoons. Those toys better be careful. 232. I can't write. Oh, no, I did write it right. Cut. <laughs>
fuck, 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 fuck. Joey says, <laughs> my mouth is so spitty. I'm going to do that again in case I read things weird. Don't put the burps in there. I don't like that. Instagram.